0: Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity,
1: and burnout. Women, even when they are telecommuting, their productivity is lower than that of men. So let's say a man is telecommuting, that is working from home, versus a woman is working from home. And this was in a paternalistic society, traditional, Confucian type of society. So what happens is when women are working working from home, they're still doing household work. Whereas when a man is working from home, they are busy and no one interrupts them. On the show, we challenge the status
0: quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small. So you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, good morning, well women on the show today. I interviewed Dr. Kamudi Misra, professor at California State University East Bay's College of Business and Economics. We talk about the role of strategic human resource management practices for employee and organizational productivity and work-life flexibility practices as a strategic HR tool. On the show, we'll discuss the key factor missing for workplace flexibility policies to work for women- Dr. Misra's focus on equity in human resource management, the future of flexibility at work, and how core values and contextual factors impact workplace flexibility. And as always, we get deep and personal. And so I don't want you to miss this really interesting conversation with Dr. Kamudi Misra. Listen through to the end to hear about what she is doing in her own life as a leader And what she's reading and lots of other good info. Founded in 1997, the Work and Family Researchers Network is an international organization dedicated to advancing the impact of work-family scholarship on lives, practice, and policy. Nearly 2,500 researchers have joined the WFRN as members. The WFRN has plans to host its next conference June 23rd to 25th this year in New York City. Information about joining the WFRN and its upcoming conference can be found at wfrn.org. You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com/283show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com/academy. It's your group coaching experience that meets every week with results daily. Join us at the Academy for community mindfulness practices and practical support to live your well woman life. I'm speaking with Dr. Kamudi Misra on the show today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Giovanna. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you about one of my favorite all-time topics. But before we get into all of that, I would love to hear from you, Dr. Misra. Who are you in the world today? Great
1: question. Um, I consider myself, first of all, trying to be humane making a difference in our communities. Now, roles I play include, I'm a scholar, a teacher, a professor, a mentor, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a mom to my pet. I'm also a cook and
0: cleaner at home. Yes. We hold lots of roles, don't we, in our lives <laughs> as as women, as professional women. That's something we, we talk a lot about on this show. And so tell me, What are you working on and how does it impact women's lives? You know,
1: in everything I do, my goal is to be able to make a difference in the lives of others. I've always wanted to use my education and work to impact change, like I said, in our communities. My work on work-life flexibility practices and work-life balance issues relate directly to women. I also study productivity at the workplace. And that focuses on how we want to all achieve balance in our, you know, be high performing in our work as well as have a high quality of life. And I always think, why can't we stay on top of the happiness quotient like it's happening in Finland? This topic is has always been related to the challenges women face, whether it is at work or because they still, even today, are the primary household care more so than men?
0: Okay, and so I we're we're going to get into some of your research and and some of those findings. But just to ask you, what drew you to this topic as far as being a focus for your career and your research?
1: How did you get into working on this? It, it was a natural seamless process if I think back on it why I didn't plan it this way I just went with my natural instinct so in a more practical sense as I was completing my MBA the go-to field was finance and most of my professors also thought I'll be doing finance but then I was thinking to myself in a during the break and I actually asked my mom you know I like working with people I still have a great mom and she was like "Yeah." what do you want to do and then i just picked human resource management organizational behavior as my field of choice and while working after my mba issues around work life balance at the time were just were just topics on the meeting agendas without any practical application this was a long time ago and so that's what drew me into doing my doctoral studies in HR in the first place, but then I worked with some of the leading scholars in the work-life area. So I was very lucky that I also had the exposure where my interests lie. And that's how I got into these talks.
0: Okay. And did you always know that you were going to bring a woman-centered perspective to your research? And
1: how did that develop? I didn't consciously know it. it just naturally come to me. And because I always am looking for making a difference, like I was telling you, and In a natural sense, I I shoot for equitable workplaces, you know, equitable world per se. And of course, women, being a woman, facing the challenges that all women face, all working women face, even when they are not working, all homemakers face. Seeing my grandmother, my mother being such strong women in their generation, all of that, I think, was imbibed into me. And so it's so it was a natural choice. I don't I, I must admit it wasn't a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. However, because I'm always looking to help, women are are a protected class, right? So whether it's race or gender, I'm always looking for how can we make uh things more equitable. So in that sense, yes, it was a conscious choice, but otherwise equally applicable to all topics.
0: Yeah. But I do wonder, because I, th- I think human resource management has been a field that maybe hasn't always looked at things from an equity lens.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: So, and also it's been quite male dominated, the field in terms of leadership.
1: Yes. I mean, the entire world sees less women in top positions, whether it's HR or otherwise. Yes, you are right.
0: I find it fascinating that you have been able to, you know, bring this perspective into the field of human resource management. And so let's talk a little bit about what you have studied and what some of the findings are. So what are you studying? And I know you've received awards for what you found in your research, and you've presented at big, you know, national and international conferences. So what is it that you are studying? What What is it that's exciting
1: about this? So in terms of my research, I, I have a couple of streams of inquiry. I, I'm going to focus on the work-life balance issues that I study, and in that, work-life flexibility practices is my current focus. So, we recently, I recently wrote a paper in the Harvard Business Review with my mentor, in fact, Dr. Ellen Kasek, which is about the future of flexibility at work. And in that article as well, what we are what we are looking at is. Is it true flexibility today? So things like flex time, remote work or telecommuting or compressed work weeks, while they're available, women able to take advantage of those practices that are available equally to men and women. And are they able to keep their performance high? Like are they facing stigmas? Like if they take time off, what's happening? And we still find that If somebody is taking time off because they had a child, that's frowned upon. So it's still not equitable flexibility. So that's been a, in like a surprising finding even today. The other part I think has been really interesting to me, and this is like I'm working on it as we speak. I'm very interested in contextual factors impacting how flexibility practices are implemented. And in a current study, what I found was the social gender norms impact how men versus women experience these practices. So one of the very interesting findings that I would like to share with you, Giovanna, is is that, like I was saying, even today in the developed world, women still do most of the unpaid household work. And when they're using flex, let's say there's a there's an organization implementing flex time or telecommuting is available to everyone. Women benefit less from those practices in certain social contexts. So I, I can't generalize to all contexts, but I compared between a, a developed nation and a developing nation, and I found such surprising results which surprised me even like are we still there today it was surprising that women are not able to benefit as much as men
0: okay and that's very interesting and so what are those particular circumstances that have women not benefiting as much mm-hmm. as
1: men with the flexibility? So in one of the, because it's an ongoing research, I, there's a paper going to come out soon on this. So I'm going to just tell you the general findings, which were actually very interesting. So let's say when uh, women start a family, often they go part-time. That's one thing. Second, let's say there's a telecommuting option available. Regardless of COVID, telecommuting is offered in certain teams or certain organizations, in teams that can afford it, right? I found that women, even when they are telecommuting, their productivity is lower than that of men. So let's say a man is telecommuting, that is working from home. Versus a woman is working from home. And this this was in a paternal society, paternalistic society, traditional, you know, Confucian type of society. So what happens is when women are working from home, they are still Doing household work, whereas when a man is working from home, they are busy and no one interrupts them. So these stories were, were really, really interesting. And, and so, so
0: Professor Misma, I, I just really want to discuss this a little bit because sure, it is it it is something that. I think might surprise listeners and what is the context that women need in order to have high productivity while taking advantage of flexibility? What are those systems or structures that are needed to make sure that she can be productive while, the,
1: while having the flexibility? That's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. it. The support. So first of all, these social mores are so ingrained that we need to change from within. Those core values have to change. Like why is it that a man can work and not be interrupted? I'm sure your audience will relate to this. What are the circumstances under which we can ensure that women stay productive? A, Ask them, what is the flexibility that will help them? It's not a one-size-fits-all. Oh, I allowed you to work from home. You should be productive. Probably may not work for all women or some men. We don't know. So... Please ask what helps them, give them the option. Supervisor support constantly comes up as a variable that makes a huge difference. So train your managers. I would say organizations must train their managers. But apart from training, having people, everyone in the organization understand that in order to be productive or make progress, we all are in it together. And that mindset has to be, you know, inculcated. Mm. So these are big changes, but, you know, that's how it is. On the family front, there's a huge family front here too. People need to understand that work is work. The gender does not matter. Gender just doesn't matter. Whether your mom is working from home or your father is working from home or your brother, your sister, that has to take priority. In terms of what has to take priority, the work? The work. Yeah. It's not who is working from home. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I wonder when you do this research and you put the papers out, are you also offering these very specific solutions? I fear that businesses would read the research and say, "Oh, see, flexibility actually hurts women, so we shouldn't offer flexibility." Like we wouldn't want that to happen.
1: No, we do give these solutions. Yes, so okay, the future good. of flexibility at work, that's a, you know, it's a it's a targeting the practitioner audience, so it has a it has we also gave a flexibility primer, how you can make different combinations of flex practices work. So, yes, we do mm, give solutions.
0: Yes. Okay. That's so important. And what else would you want to say about your findings or about, about the flex work or the work-life balance
1: work that you do? So I'm not the first one that has got the woman aspect or the work-life aspect into, into HR research. I'm new, I would say. So it started a long time ago. However, there, it's so hard to make systemic changes that while it's promising now, we still have a long way to go. So that's one thing we must all acknowledge. We now have, after the Me Too as well as George Floyd, you know, all of these issues are interconnected because like I told you, it's about giving everyone equal opportunity. So we do have, I see see a lot of progress, but we still have a long way to go, I think. Well, we'll be watching
0: for your research and your colleagues. In fact, I think we're both going to be at the Work and Family Research Network Conference this summer. So (laughs) yes,
1: yes, I look
0: forward to that. There'll be a lot to learn and share there. And so I'm speaking with Dr. Kamudi Misra and we'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work, but with these tools, you will easefully find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals. Monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism and insecurity. The result, you get to live your Well Woman Life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show with Dr. Kamudi Misra. And I wanted to ask you, we're, we're moving into the segment called Superpowers for Success, where listeners really get to know you a little better and learn from your life and your work. And so the first question I have for you is, what does success in life mean for you?
1: You know, I feel that if I can make a difference in the lives of others, that's what success means to me personally. If I can make an impact on one person's life, which has changed because of something they learned from me or I could help them. I, I I just, I'm just so happy with that.
0: Okay. And it's interesting because the definition of success has changed over time. And depending on, you know, who you ask, I think your answer is so powerful in terms of, you know, making your success is about making an impact on others. And, And as you're a researcher and and you study, you know, gender differences in in work and life, I, I do hear that, you know, making an impact in others' lives is really important. How do you make sure that you take care of yourself so that you can make
1: an impact in other people's lives. Yes, I wasn't very good at that. So I'm so happy, Javana, you asked me. Uh, there were certain turning points in my life where I realized unless you take care of yourself, you cannot take care of others. And I'm getting better at that. I use some very simple uh, strategies to make sure I I am feeling like for my own well-being As simple as I started making lists of things that I have to do in a particular day and checking off those lists are so satisfying. So from simple things like that to I spend time, I get, I spend, consciously spend a lot of me time with my pet, with my family, I keep in touch with my close circle of friends who are I can count them on my fingers in one hand but these are a set of strong men and women they're not they're not all women there are a couple men in there so I make sure that I spend time with them and I allocate uh, time for myself consciously rather than just you know it's it's something else is eating into my calendar and I'm 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 neglecting myself
0: yeah that's great and and it's so hard to do for many women to really carve that time out and be intentional about it because we get caught up in helping other people and making an impact in the world and taking care of our family and Mm -hmm. all of the things. It's easy to, to put ourselves last. And also, frankly, I think there's a cultural stigma around you know carving out time to take care of yourself is I completely
1: um, agree with you I completely agree about that the cultural part yes it's in our head and we need to get that out it's like a one of those friends tells me every day as a woman and a working woman it's a performance for us it's like we're put on a stage and and we're just pushed to be our best we cannot relax then we come home we are again pushed to there's guilt there's uh, did I did I neglect my children There's, did I neglect my home you're always performing so good yeah. and so
0: yeah it's like when can we when can we take off the the mask and the costume and get off stage and just
1: <laughs> be right 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 it has to be intentional you are so right
0: yeah and that it takes real commitment and it takes challenging the status quo because we're you know we're expected to be there for everybody doing everything and and it so it takes actually saying no and setting some boundaries right Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: around what you're where you're going to spend your time and energy I would love to ask you, when did you know you were really good at what you do?
1: I was always performing well in school and college, but I was never satisfied with myself. I would say, can I just spend a couple minutes to tell you a story? Yes, and please. that's how, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very touching uh, story. When we talk, then I'm saying I want to make impact on the lives of others. I think this incident will always stay with me where I thought, oh, this is the first time I really felt like my HR work could make a difference. So I was working um, on my research in another country and used to stay in a particular hotel for months. So in short, there was this housekeeper who they assigned to me because he he knew my habits and he was a very good service person. And one day I just got chatting with him and asked him and he told me that he's a contract employee. He got the job because his father died while working for that hotel. So it was a compensatory position but they have not confirmed him and then so I was like okay how long have you been a contractor and he said it was very like there was no job security it's been 12 years he said and I was like wow when will you be confirmed he said "Uh, well they will interview me and then let me know and while I was staying there he one day told me, ma'am, I came for your blessings because I've been called for an interview today. And I did not know how to help him. I was rushing out. I just went to the front desk and I asked for the feedback survey. And they had told me that the new general manager of the hotel was implementing a policy where he would identify star performers. So all I did, was use that feedback form and gave the names of all the good workers that I had interacted with during a long stay, including this housekeeper. Mm -hmm. And long story short, The next day, he told me, ma'am, do you know people here? What did you do? I got confirmed. Mm. And all I had done was written about him. And I said, how did you know I did anything? He said, after my interview, they called me back. And the general manager actually told me, you had great feedback from room number so and so. So I saw for the first time that I could make a difference just using the performance appraisal system. You know, and I, I... yeah, I think that day I felt like, oh, I'm good at what I do. Wow.
0: So you really felt that way because you saw clearly the impact that you made on someone. Yes.
1: And the system worked. It was confidential. It it worked. I think lots of things came into play together. Like I'm sure the general manager was a great person. I've never met him. It happened through the process. It was wonderful. That's
0: a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And so to continue on with our our questions here on the superpowers for success, I, I wanted to ask you, what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time?
1: I think bringing people together, this is something that I don't do consciously. I've not realized it, but often I'm being reminded by my friends and mentors that, you know, the love that you bring when you are in the room, it brings everyone together. And I think that could be that's a power that can make change, that can, you know, build good teams and also my colleagues. Uh, that I work with, they recognize that. So I I think it's, it's a good quality to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what
1: advice would you
0: give your younger self, say 25 years old?
1: (laughs) Be more confident, be more self-assured and make sure that you feel good about all the decisions you've made. Because at that time, I was never sure of, about my decisions. But in retrospect, I feel like, oh, those were good decisions. So that's what I would say. Be confident in your own decisions.
0: Mm, so interesting. So how do you think that would have changed things for you?
1: Probably, I would have had a little different trajectory in the sense I could have done things earlier for myself. I took a longer time. To grow up, quote unquote, you know what I mean? So I I kind of bloomed a little late. So had I known that, you know, I'm not a bad decision maker, going with your intuition, is not a bad thing. And there's no such thing as a regret because at that time, at that moment, that was the right decision to make. So this kind of wisdom, had it come earlier, maybe, maybe I would have done more things. I, I, I am a little... Late bloomer, I would say, and slow have been slow but there's so much is, to do there's so there's, much sorry to interrupt yeah go ahead
0: there's so much to do but as you said the decisions you make in that moment are right for that moment so maybe you're not a late bloomer maybe you're right on time
1: maybe <laughs> yes yes looking <laughs> in that way yeah probably in fact also philosophically thinking i've i've always thought about this no we always think oh i could have done that better i would have changed things my trajectory would have different probably not <laughs> (laughs) And Kamuri, do you identify as a feminist? Yes, I do. I do. The way I see it is, in an ideal world, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, whether it's on the on the gender spectrum or race spectrum. So, in that sense, I would say yes, I am a feminist because lo and behold, reality is we are not on equal footing yet—men versus women. Mm -hmm. So, I do want that we should have an equal footing in that sense. Yes, I am. Yes, I am.
0: Okay. And what makes a good leader? And you can answer this from the perspective of your work or just your life experience, but what makes a good, a good leader?
1: A good leader to me is someone that can inspire others to follow them, not someone that has leadership position. And th- that's why people are supposed to follow them. But someone who emerges naturally, just people want to follow them, follow their lead, let's say, or just follow the goals or not even follow, join in the goals, contribute to their vision. So it should come from within people to be inspired by your vision. That's a great leader. I love that. Okay.
0: And last question for you, Kamudi, is what are you reading right
1: now? What's on your night- Stamp. I'm reading David Brooks. I like whatever he writes, and you know, if the title of the book escapes me, but you can uh, send it
0: later, and I will we'll add it. it to the show notes. Sure, we always collect what our guests are reading, and then they're always at the show notes at wellwomanlife.com/radio. For those listening, you can go and check out what Dr. Kamudi Misra is reading herself, and Dr. Misra, it's been such a pleasure having you
1: on the show today. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. I hope your audience gets some value out of it.
0: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.